This is Colin Zenshu, the podcast, episode 388 for the week of September 20th, 2015. What is up? Welcome back, everyone. Welcome to Kanzen Shu. The podcast. That's right. An extension of the all-encompassing Dragon Ball fansite. Uh, Chuen Wan... Sh- oh, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. Let me think about this. Uh, oh, Chuen Wan G. We cover anything and everything Dragon Pearls in hopes of enlightening and a little bit of entertaining. My name is Mike Vegito EX, and we got Jake, the Hermsmeister himself. How are you, dude? Uh, good as ever, I guess. It's been a bit since our last podcast episode. It has been a crazy month. Uh, everyone's busy. Everyone's got stuff going on. Myself, uh, particularly, as the ringleader of the show, if I can't get my shit together, then the show doesn't happen. So it is all on me. But here we are. We're recording a show. Uh, Dragon Ball Super is indeed a thing that has been happening. It's the biggest thing going on right now. It's uh, it's content, it's news, it's releases, it's kind of everything that we do here on the podcast, and we're mostly going to ignore it this week. We kind of do things at our own pace, and I'm pretty much okay with that. Me too. Jake, we're going to talk today about Chinese, because uh, I guess you've decided that Japanese isn't enough. You're uh, you're going to take over the world and you've moved on to Chinese as well. Yes. Yeah, so uh, a couple years ago at this point, I made the mistake of starting to study Mandarin Chinese. And the, one of the bad parts about this is that now whenever I see Shenlong spelled Shenron, it really bugs me. I mean, it's bugged me for a while, but you have uh, the actual knowledge to explain why it bugs you. Yeah. That's going to be our topic this week. Uh, I know you have more to say. I'm going to say hold on to that just a little bit. There's uh, so much to cover. Uh, There's more Chinese in the series than you may think there is. But before we get into anything, we do have a couple other little news stories to hit up. We're going to do that real quick. Because we just got to get into it this week. Uh, the only way we're going to get back into the swing of a show is to just do it. Jake, uh, Dragon Ball Super, I guess we've got episode titles. We've got cover art for CD singles. Um, that's all interesting. I guess we have a new ending theme coming. The second theme is going to be Starring Star by Key Talk. The first closing theme is going to last through episode 12, it seems. And we'll be picking up with uh, episode 13. Jake, by the episode titles, it seems like that's going to wrap up the Battle of Gods Reach telling-ish arc, though, right? As near as we can tell, uh, episode 13's title is something to the effect of uh, Goku surpassing Super Saiyan God. Right. Sounds like it's wrapping up, but I guess we won't know for sure until we get episode 14's title. And of course, obviously, 12 to 13 episodes is the standard, you could say, season length Mm -hmm. for anime shows. And we don't know if Dragon Ball Super is going to continue to follow that format or if this just happened to work out well. And if the ending theme just happens to correlate to that, that seems to be how it's shaping up, though. Uh, So be on the lookout for that. Other than that, I mean, I guess... What else is going on? We've got, uh, I can't remember if we talked about this last time on the podcast, but Funimation's release of Resurrection F that's coming out October 20th. So we're about a month out from that. They've got a limited edition 
Blu-ray version of that. They've got a Blu-ray DVD combo pack. Extreme Butoden is coming out in North America. We've been talking about this. That's due out October 20th-ish, I believe. It's also coming out in Europe and around the rest of the world as well. Uh, its sales kind of went up and then down and dipped back up a little bit again in Japan. Uh, I'm sure Super had a bit to do with that. So everything is kind of tying back into itself. There's a lot of Dragon Ball Heroes news going on that we just have not been able to keep up with. Jake, are we on God Mission 4, God Mission 5 previewing now? Something like that? Uh, you're asking the wrong person. I am indeed, apparently. <laughs> I think God Mission 4 is what just came out. Uh, and we've got old Piccolo coming back into the mix. Heroes likes to do that, where they realize they forgot a previous villain, and then the, they finally catch up with that, and they continue onward with the rest of the stuff. We've got the Kaioshin things going on. We've got Beerus. We've got Whis. We've got everything going on at once. Dragon Ball Heroes is a thing that unfortunately we do need to catch up on we will get to it that's kind of all the news i want to cover right now um again dragon ball super its content is the news we will get to that so let's just swipe it all aside ignore the fact that there's a brand new series and talk about the topic we want to do Jake, I like to pretend I know what I'm talking about with Dragon Ball. Um, Me too. <laughs> the nice thing is that I surround myself with people who uh, can correct me when I don't actually know what I'm talking about. Language is one of those things. I'm so glad we have both you and Julian, um, and you are now picking up the Chinese side of things. Can you give us a little bit of background on, um, first, what drove you to check out Chinese as a language and then uh, maybe just what have you started noticing in Dragon Ball and then we'll get into some specifics about the, just the Chinese words and phrases the way that they pop up in the series. So one of the things about knowing Japanese is I found is that whenever someone would ask me like oh hey what does this say it would inevitably turn out that what they were pointing out was Chinese Yeah. <laughs> okay. and this could only, and eventually they kind of, I got the feeling people just thought I was making excuses whenever I said, oh, that's Chinese, not Japanese. I don't, you know, I can't know, I can't tell you what that says. And people are like, well, Japanese and Chinese, they're basically the same. You should be able to read this, shouldn't you? <laughs> just just by virtue of knowing Japanese. Mm -hmm. And so eventually I got fed up with this and like, ah, screw it. I'm just going to learn Chinese too. And of course, now that I've been studying Chinese for a while, whenever anyone asks me, hey, what's this say? It turns out to be Korean. <laughs> of course. Yes, everyone wants to go back to Dragon Ball Online stuff, and it's just, we can't win. So that's what's next up for you, I guess? Yeah, it's the eternal treadmill. Um, so why don't you take us to the beginning of the series with Chinese and Dragon Ball? Is Shenlong the very, I mean, ignoring things like Journey to the West and Son Goku and Wukong yeah. and stuff. Um, do you want to start there? Or do you want to start with Shenlong? Where do you want to go? Well, okay. I think it might be best to start out with a, a very simplified explanation for just the, how chi the relationship between Japanese and Chinese and the writing systems, just to put a lot of what I'm going to say in context. Okay. But uh, this is a, it's all uh, fairly complicated, but I'll try and get, give the gist. So like I said, people tend to have an idea that Japanese and Chinese are very similar languages. But when you get down to it, they're in, they come from completely different linguistic groups. So Japanese is actually related. It's very similar to Korean. So Korean and Japanese grammar, pretty similar, whereas Japanese and Chinese grammar is just completely different. Yeah, I can say if 
if you're an anime fan, if you have been into it for a long time and you hear Korean, it might just sound like gibberish Japanese to you. Like it, the flow and the tone of the language sounds similar enough. But then for me, I know whenever I would watch Kung Fu films, it would sound like a completely different. I guess the the expression we always have is like, oh, it's just German to me. Not knowing Japanese, Chinese sounds like that analogy to me. Yeah. And so, but the reason that even though Japanese and Chinese are in different linguistic families, the reason why they have similar writing systems is because actually Japanese for many centuries, even though it had a fully developed spoken language, they didn't have any written system. And so eventually about the eighth century, they sat down and they're like, well, we need a writing system. Who do we know who has a writing system? Oh yeah, the Chinese do. So let's just take theirs and adapt it for our own language. Right. They're, they're right over there. So let's take those yeah. letters, things they make. Yeah. And so in, when in Japanese, you talk about kanji, literally kanji means Chinese characters. And so kanji, they're ideographic, you could say. So each kanji, it has an inherent meaning. Like there's a kanji, like Toriyama, he, he's name written with the kanji for mountain and bird. And it just inherently means those things. But the way it's pronounced varies both within, both between Chinese and Japanese and within Japanese, depending on context. Right. So those are alternate readings of the same kanji. It's how we can have Jin and Nin and what, Hito for the same kanji? That's right. So the character for person in that case. And then in Chinese, the character for person is read as Ren. Mm, okay. And it's always Chinese is simpler in that respect in that it's always there's generally only one reading per character, but then you get into the different dialects of Chinese mm -hmm. and then stuff like Mandarin versus Cantonese. But I'm just going to ignore that for the sake of uh, sanity here. Okay. Uh, I mean, just, I, just keep in mind that when I say Chi I'm going to keep on saying Chinese, but this is kind of a misnomer. You know, there's multiple Chinese languages and dialects. But when I from when I say Chinese, I mostly just mean Mandarin because, well, for one thing, that's what I know, and that's also kind of the cultural main language at Got this it. point. Anyway, so the Japanese they took the Chinese characters and not only did they adapt them, they also used them to create two separate alphabets of their own, hiragana and katakana, which are unique to Japanese and they're syllabic, which means so they don't and a single kana character doesn't have an inherent meaning, but it has an inherent sound. So it's like our alphabet where you look at the letter B and B doesn't mean anything, but it indicates a sound. And I guess you can say it's just kind of like a more and more simplified version with hiragana. You can kind of see it's it's rooted from a kanji generally in some ways. You can kind of see where it's coming from. And katakana is usually just more straight lines. And katakana is the the language of kind of borrowed words or shorter sounds kind of thing, I guess. Best way to explain it? Yes. In day-to-day -day Jap Japanese, uh, katakana is usually used for foreign words and maybe just for emphasis, things like that. So it's the relationship between hiragana and katakana is somewhat like the relationship in English between capital and lowercase letters, mm. where, you know, there's capital lowercase g and they mean we recognize them as different versions of the same thing right but they're we use them diff depending on the context we we'll use one or the other right i guess we're getting into kind of japanese lessons here but it's important things um in the series that are written in katakana um most of the names in the series because they're usually a pun on a, a foreign word and even when they're not it's just kind of mostly for consistency or to i don't know how else to describe it there well, because usually, like, even um, a word, like cyan, 
Mm-hmm. It's based on a Japanese word, but in the context of the series, it's like it's a alien, it's a fantasy alien name. Mm. And so it's written in katakana to, because on the logic katakana it, in day-to-day life it's used for foreign words and so cyan in this in the context of Dragon Ball is a foreign name because they're from outer space. And we'll get words like pawa that we'll have in katakana if they're not using ki or something else in there. I guess that's got it. Okay, and so so the big thing for the for this conversation is that when the Chinese when the Japanese adopted the Chinese characters, some they'd use in some cases they'd use their adaptation of the Chinese reading of the character, and then in some and also in some contexts use the native Japanese word. So getting it back, so with mountain again, so in Toriyama's name, it's read as Yama, right? Because Yama is the native Japanese word for mountain, and then the Chinese word for mountain is San, or sorry, Shan. And then in Japanese as well, sometime in certain contexts, they will read the character for mountain as San, which, as you can kind of see, it's taken from the Chinese reading. Mm, okay, I, I think that's where we're going to see some of the evil dragon stuff pop up again later as well. Yeah, and so these are called the native Japanese readings. They're called the Kunyomi. The adapted Chinese readings are the Onyomi. So typically in Japanese, each kanji has both a onyomi and a kunyomi, which are used, uh, you know, different contexts. And the thing is, though, even though the onyomi is adapted from the Chinese reading, this was done over a thousand years ago. So during that time, both Japanese and Chinese have continued to evolve. So in some cases, you can see the connection. In other cases, they're completely different and you can't see it all. It's evolution of language, just like with life, you know, separated over time, things differ. And so that's why today, when Toriyama is making the series, he can specify the Chinese, the current Chinese reading for characters, even though technically the Onyomi is supposed to be that. So the easiest example probably is with the, uh, like the kanji for God. On it, like the native Japanese reading is Kami, of course, and that's what they call the green guy in the series. And then the onyomi, though, is shin. And so mm, that's right. the shin in kaioshin, because usually the onyomi is used in uh, compound words. Got it. Okay. Right. So singular is kami, but then when you add it to something else, that's where we get the shin reading. Yeah. So shin, uh, S-H-I-N. And then, but the, na- the, cur- the na- current Chinese reading is shun, S-H-E-N. And so you can see in that case that they're similar, but they've grown a bit apart over all these hundreds of years and so that is why when in the series when we write we write the name for shenlong the dragon it's the character for god and dragon but he uses oh no i have to explain about furigana too uh, no that, that's okay because we explain what katagana is so that yeah, okay sense. so so because all these these characters they have so many different potential readings sometimes they're right uh they're used the phonetic kana script to specify the intended reading if they don't think it's clear with these uh, Chinese-derived names, the right katakana above it so that people will know how they're read. And so Shenlong, on its own in Japanese, this would normally be read as Shinryu. Right. And a lot of people ask that. Why isn't it written or, or spoken that way? But it's because of that furigana, similar to how we have Cho Saijin being indicated uh, a reading of Supa Saijin. Yeah. So just as you can uh, use furigana to indicate a Chinese reading, you could also use a English word as well with super there. Okay, so essentially this means that we could kind of derive these into three broad categories of characters with Chinese-inspired names. Okay. So in the first category, there's what, like you said, there's Goku, 
who, of course, he's named after Soon Wukong from Journey to the West. And just because this character has been so familiar in Japanese for hundreds of years, they don't use the Chinese reading for his name as all, at all. He's been, I guess you could say, localized into Japanese as Goku. Well, Son Goku in its entirety, yeah. With to- with Tor- so the reason why we don't call Goku Wukong, even though ultimately the name derives from Chinese is because in Japanese, they use the native Japanese reading for the characters in his name. And this is in contrast to what they do with Shenlong, where it's specifically the Chinese reading. Mm, Okay, so for Son Goku, it's written just with the kanji that they know to just read as Son Goku. And I I guess we can say um, like in video games and some other stuff where they either need hiragana or have a place for it, they will write Son Goku in hiragana to indicate that exact pronunciation yeah and typically in the manga they do they since dragon ball it's aimed at kids they generally have hiragana for everything Mm -hmm. just because kids aren't expected to know any of this stuff off the bat and so the other name besides goku most of the other names like this there's you know gyu mal they're all derived all the stuff derived from journey to the west is just left as is with the Japanese reading. And this is kind of like with Kinto-un. Literally, this name means um, somersault cloud, but the actual word for somersault isn't a word that's used in Japanese. Okay. Like, they, because they took this name from, this name straight from Chinese and left it as is, it's like like they didn't translate it into their own native way of saying somersault cloud. Mm-hmm. They just took the word as as a concept kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, they took the characters and then let and use applied the Japanese readings for those characters to get Kintoun. And so it's kind of this odd thing where it's like they recognize that name even though it has a meaning. They don't necessarily know recognize the meaning. They just recognize it as the name of something from Journey to the West. In some ways that's almost like, I mean, feel free to correct me, but I feel that's similar to how in English, air quotes here, we say Vegito, even though we don't say Kakaroto generally, but we kind of have this unspoken understanding of, well, that's the name of that character. And even though we're not translating this pronunciation from Japanese, we kind of all know what we're talking about. Is that even remotely close? A little bit. The analogy I kind of like to use is with names from Greek mythology that have become common in English. Oh, okay. So uh, like Cyclops. Uh, just like, off, do you know what Cyclops means literally? I mean, you would assume it's one-eyed something, right? Yeah. So, so like, you you know what a Cyclops is, but you like the it literally means wheel eye because psych psych it's from oh, psych. Oh, of course. Okay. Yeah. So, like, you, you knew what it, a Cyclops is, but you even though you didn't know what it literally meant. Right. Got it. And that's sort of similar to the situation with a lot of these concepts from Journey to the West and other Chinese sources that have been kind of just taken as is into Chinese hundreds of years ago. All right, well, let's actually stick with Journey to the West real quick. Uh, we mentioned Son Goku, we've mentioned Kintoun, uh, we've mentioned Gyumao, the Ox Demon King. How about Nyoibo? Oh, uh, yeah, so Nyoibo, again, is like, there's actually, it's a shortened form of a longer name for uh It Gyukong's. is, it's like the, the golden-hooped extending rod. Yeah, so Nyo literally... It's a ru- Rui Bong in Chinese, mm-hmm. and it's like a staff that does what you want it to do, essentially. Oh, I think compliant rod is what Anthony Yu uses in his translation pretty yeah. often. Yeah, and like, so elsewhere elsewhere in Chinese, uh, Rui is used, um, like, just for expressions to be like, oh, as you wish, or mm-hmm. like... okay. 
and things like saying, well, I hope things go the way you want them to and things like that. Got it. Okay. I'm going to take, I'm going to pause briefly and apologize for how terrible my pronunciation of both Chinese and Japanese is, even though theoretically I know them. I mean, that's the thing you've always said on the show is like, listen to my message, not my pronunciation. So we'll just go with that. That's fine. Uh, Is there anything else Journey to the West inspired that we should hit up that's important? There's other things, but they're not too major. So I guess just move on to the second category, the second major category, which is names that they're written in kanji and then they have those the Chinese readings indicated by furigana. Okay. And so like, so the major example, as I mentioned already, there's Shenlong, literally like God dragon, divine dragon. Sometimes it'll actually be translated as God of the dragons. Mm. Then the individual names of the dragon balls, which so it's just literally one star ball, two star ball, three star ball, four star ball. And the, the sort of odd thing here is that in Japanese, the, pronunciation they indicate for ball is Q, which is actually like in Chinese, it's supposed to be Cho. Hmm, okay. But it's it's one of those things where it's counterintuitive, where if you go with the pinyin spelling, it's Q-I-U. Okay, right. Which is like, you know, it's not really intuitive how you'd pronounce that in English. And so I guess the same thing sort of happened with Chinese. But anyway, so moving on. So there's the Dragon Ball names. And then the evil dragons in GT, it's the same pattern, but they just, they substitute long dragon for shings. I mean, for a uh, Q ball. Right. And, and that's the thing. They're, they're not evil shenlongs. They're evil shinlongs. They're, uh, they're star dragons. Let's pause here. Actually, take me back to Shenlong versus Shenron. You've been saying uh, that's one of the first things that really started bugging you. Um, can you give an explanation of why saying and writing Shenron? I guess the best way to say is that's not accurate. Yes. Yeah, so, and this is getting all back into just the issue of translating Chinese into Japanese and then from Japanese into English. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, it's hard enough translating stuff from Japanese into English, but then when you add English, I mean, Chinese into the mix, it just kicks it up to an entirely different level. Because, I mean, obviously, when you're working, when you're translating into Je- from Japanese into English, you'd want someone with Japanese expertise, and they wouldn't necessarily know Chinese or know how to handle Chinese writing in Japanese. And so apparently, this is what happened with uh, Funimation when they were adapting the series. They just took the, the katakana spelling of Shenron and adapted, just transliterated that very directly into English as S-H-E-N-R-O-N. And so Ron, that's just how the Japanese write the Chinese word long for dragon. I mean, if you've ever been to a Chinese restaurant or watched a kung fu movie or had uh, any exposure to Chinese, you might have encountered this word long for dragon. And so the reason why the Japanese write it as R-O-N rather than L-O-N-G is the same reason that all these English words that they write in their language get kind of changed around as they try and adapt it to the Japanese writing system. So the example you use a lot is Trunks, which of course, literally, if you take how they spell the character name Trunks' name in Katakana and then just transliterate that back into English directly, then it's T-O-R-A-N-K-U-S-U, Trunks. Which obviously, 
anyone would kind of if you if you went around spelling the character's name like that in English, people would probably think you were a bit weird. I mean, that's always been going back to the the very earliest days. There's always been this: Why are you writing Seru Torankusu Bejita? There's an obvious way to adapt these names. And I think Shenlong kind of falls under the radar because as you were saying, it takes this knowledge of English back to Japanese, back to Chinese that most people just don't have. And I think it is understandable. I don't I don't want to come across like I'm blaming people for writing Shenron because it is it's very it's a very complicated issue. Mm hmm. But and, you know, previously, before I started learning Chinese, I did kind of just uh, gloss over it. I'm like, well, Shenron, technically it's not accurate, but whatever, you know, close to, cl- close enough. It's a romanization. OK, whatever. I mean, there's plenty of other direct romanizations we use. We use Kudadin. It's exactly a romanization, but that's how we use the name. Shenron. OK, we'll do the same thing. Um, but you've been saying that now that you know more is one of those <laughs> things that you just can't get over. Yeah, it's just. Yeah. So that's the mor- the moral of the story is never learn anything because it just gives you more stuff to get annoyed at. <laughs> that's the opposite of Konzenshu, <laughs> where we say learn as much as possible. All right. But anyway, so. The point of this podcast overall is to try and just help people understand at least a little bit the issues involved rather than, you know, trying to criticize anyone for anything. There's extra knowledge always to be had. Um, Do you feel confident enough in the explanation here of Shenron versus Shenlong? It's the, well, this, yes, it's in Japanese, but the original word is Chinese and they're indicating a Chinese word. So why don't we just go back to how we would adapt in English the Chinese word? Yeah. And this, a lot of this stuff, it's a little harder, might be harder to grasp in audio form compared yeah. to seeing it written out, but whatever. What I, I am working currently on a written guide for all this stuff, which are probably our try and finish by the end of the week. Right, which will then debut in 2019. Yeah, give her at least. All right, well, let's move on from dragons. And of course, there's the evil dragons. Maybe we'll come back around to that. Um, is there a third category of names that you were talking about here? And so, yeah, so the other thing is characters whose names are derived from Chinese, but they're written straight out in katakana with no kanji involved at all. And so the main examples are oolong and puar. Okay. Who They're named after those the, these two famous kinds of tea, but for the character names, they're always written in, ka, in only katakana. Oolong and yeah. pu-eru? Is that it? Yeah. Uh, poo uh, extension mark E-R-U. Right. Okay. Got it. Got it. I got believe. It. Um, and I'll see a lot in, um, so if we go back to Japanese guidebooks, um, they're not always consistent with how they spell things. Shenron, they're pretty consistent with. Um, quite often, I'll see Wulong. And it's very interesting that they write that out that way. Yeah. And the other, so another confounding issue is we kind of talked a bit about how there's a standardized way to write the Chinese names in English, mm-hmm. but we do hit the issue that there are in fact uh, two main competing systems for transliterating Chinese names into English. Mm. And so the, these are called a Wade's Gile, Wade Giles system, which is the older system developed in the 19th century, and then Pinyin, which was developed in the 50s and has become standard so if you start a Chinese class now, this is, they teach you pinyin. And if you watch the news, generally you see names written in pinyin. So the, the major example is Beijing. Right. We all know this major city as Beijing. But we also know this food, Peking Duck. Yeah. And so uh, the city, as well as the food it, and all of that, it used to be Peking. And then, which is the, pinyin, the uh, Wade Giles spelling. 
and then in Pinyin that becomes Beijing. And so with so with the city name, you're almost always see it as Beijing nowadays. But because you know food is you know for various complicated reasons, the older Wade Guile spelling hold on in are still used in some circumstances in the United States. Right, and I think we're going to get to that with uh, another character. But let's stick with the the two T characters here. Anyway, so. Um, with Oolong's name, there are two different ways of writing the T in English. So the way with the W, like, so W-U-L-O-N-G is the pinion spelling. And then I guess, oh God, I should have looked this up, but I believe, <laughs> I believe O-O-L-O-N-G is the Wade Guile spelling, or it could just be a completely crazy thing that just became associated with the Dragon Ball character specifically. Mm-hmm. Because one of the things is that, okay, with Puar, P-U-A-R, which is kind of the standardized, it's a very common spelling for the English, in English for the character. Right. But that's never used for the T ever. Mm. Okay. And so I get it instead for the T, it'd be P-U-E-R. Mm-hmm. And if we haven't made it clear, we keep saying tea. I don't know if people are thinking the letter. <laughs> we're, we're talking about the hot drink that you consume. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And so I should note. So w- the long and oolong, that's dragon again. Which is really interesting because Funimation did go with that for that character. And I guess not seeing the correlation between what's in the dragon's name and what's in the pig's name. Yeah. And the process behind how Funimation was adapting these names when they were starting out is interest like there's a lot of history there because apparently uh, Toei was supplying them with a certain amount of translations of varying quality, mm-hmm. and they kind of just adapted. Uh, they they tried to make the best of that, I guess, is what I've heard. Right. I mean, there's no real way at this point to really get back there and get into the the creative process and the decision-making process. Barry Watson, who was the lead producer there, no longer there, hasn't been there um, since the the release of Around Dragon Ball GT. Um, He went off to found another company that went nowhere. Um, So all of the current staff there, they all came in 1999 and later. And by that point, the style guide had already been created and been in use for three years for DBZ and four years for the original Dragon Ball. So remember, the Funimation started Dragon Ball in 1995. Um, so we already had at that point Shenron and Oolong and Puar. Yeah, but it is interesting when you look at the, the spellings they do use because sometimes... Sometimes they're brilliant. Yeah, sometimes they show understanding of the ch- that they recognize this is Chinese and here's more or less the appropriate way to spell the Chinese name. And then other times, like with Shenron, they just don't pick up on it for whatever reason. So it's like they had like they had a guy in the office who knew Chinese, but he's only there on Wednesdays or something. <laughs> all right. And he happened to grab those. Yeah. Or, or do you think that they were all the food related ones they kind of started to understand? I'm not sure, because, of course, Oolong tea, it's relatively well known. So they might have right. just picked up a that on their own. Yeah. All right. So we've covered the the tea related characters. I do want to get to two other very relevant and important ones here. One did have uh, a name change in Funimation's English dub and the other very confusing to people. <laughs> Let's start with uh, they were introduced at the same time. Let's start with Tenshin Han. His name is written in kanji. So we could almost do an entire podcast topic just on Tenshin Han's name. I know <laughs> there, there's a lot of different issues just compacted into this name. Well, there's Funimation's change, there's Funimation's making it a first and a last name, and then there's a discussion whether or not there's 
given names and surnames here for this character. And there's the change in the letter. There's a lot. Let's cover as much as we can here. Uh, our, start off by asking if you heard about uh, the explosion in Tianjin a few weeks ago. I did. Yeah. So that kind of brought the name of uh, the, the city name into the public conscious here in the U.S., perhaps a little bit. And so Tianjin is one of the major cities in China, probably second after Beijing. And so this is where Tianjin Han's name comes from, ultimately, is the city of Tianjin. Because I, back in uh, the 19th century or so, it was famous for its rice, which in Chinese, Tianjin rice is Tianjin Fan. And so in Japan... They created this dish, which was supposed to use rice from Tianjin, and they called it a Chinese dish, even though it was invented in Japan. Right. We have so many examples of that kind of food here, like a lot of our Mexican food, a lot of our oh, geez, Chinese food, same like Japan. It's not yeah. really from there. Yeah. And so Japan kind of has the same issue with their Chinese restaurants. And so they made this dish, which in Japanese is called Tenshinhan, which is literally uh, Tianjin rice, which in Chinese would be read as Tianjin fan. And so this is known in Japan at, mistakenly as a Chinese dish. And so when Toriyama named this character, that's what he went with. He's described the reasoning behind this name in some of the guidebooks. And he said that, simply put, because this was a Chinese style character, he gave him the name of a Chinese food. So he's apparently unaware that it's not really from China, but he thinks it is. So I guess we have to treat it as such because that was his intention. That makes sense. <laughs> Not really. So that that is the question is, do we adapt the name as Tianjin Fan or, you know, again, acknowledging my pronunciation is going to be even worse than yours. Or do we adapt the name as Tenshin Han because that's the name of the Japanese food, despite the faux Chinese origins. And this gets into another weird issue because like with most of the names derived from Chinese, if they're written in kanji with the hiragana spelling indicating the Chinese reading, but with Tenshinhan's name, his name is standardly written with the kanji and then the hiragana in katakana, but it's not Tenshin, it's just written with the standard Japanese reading. So Tenshinhan is how those characters would normally be read in Japanese, whereas the standard Japanese approximation of the Chinese reading would be spelled slightly differently. Okay, all right, I get it. So to, again, we best way to do this is provide analogies. Like you were talking about with Shenron, like you were saying, the kanji the Japanese would know as being Shinryu, but it's given a different pronunciation guide. Tenshinhan is, they know that the kanji are Tenshinhan, and then pronunciation just backs up. Yes, say this Tenshinhan. Yeah, so for instance, instead of H-A-N for the Latin, the rice part, mm -hmm. it would, nor if they were trying to approximate the Chinese reading, they would, there's a compound katakana character that they use for F-A, mm -hmm. but that's not used in Tin Han's name. So what is the verdict from Herms? Is it Tin Han? I, I still go back and forth on this one, but, <laughs> and then the, okay, the other really annoying thing is that even though the standard way of writing his name is to have the uh, hiragana in katakana, throughout the original run of the manga, this goes back and forth. Mm, when he's, yeah. when he's introduced, it's just in hiragana as if, you know, the same as Goku's name. And then later on, they switch to katakana. And then later on, they switch back. 
<laughs> and this is, this is uh, actually like if you look at even just Gohan talking to Tin Shinhan, which I think only happens twice in the entire the manga. Entire series, right? Yeah. So the the two times Gohan mentions Tin Shinhan by name, he does it differently. Like the spelling they use is slightly different. The first time, one time is katakana, the other time is hiragana. So it's different between the two times of one character. Yeah. Got it. And this is in regards to the original run of the manga, the Tonko Bone release. But for the Kanzen Bond, this is one of the, thing, the things they fixed. So they formalized it in the Kanzen Bond so that beginning to end, it's always written in katakana. Okay. I don't know if that, that helps or solves anything, but... Yeah, I don't know. So now I guess we should mention with the Funimation dub, of course, they they went... Okay, ignoring the fact that they, you know, jettisoned the last two-thirds of his name, they treated the 10-bit... Uh, they went with the Chinese reading. And so that's what Tien is, literally. Mm-hmm. Like, we're, like we're saying, Tien Jin Tien, the character in question, it's for heaven. So it's the same Ten as in Goten. Right. Or, or uh, Tenkechi Budokai. Same thing. And so Funimation, they use the spelling T-I-E-N, which is the Wade Giles spelling for the Chinese character. Okay. And then for the modern, for the modern city, like for Tien Jin, you see it as T-I-A and... Ah, so I got it. Okay. So now if we're going to be modern about our romanizations and adaptations, if we're still going to not do Tenshin Han, should it be Tian? Yeah. Oh, well, the other thing... So the annoying... The other thing, of course, is that no matter which way we spell it, it's like the... the I, okay, I haven't seen the dub in a long time, but I believe they go with T-N for pronunciation. Yes. And that is how, even if we spell it T-I-A-N, it should still be pronounced T-N, more okay. or less. Got it. All right. And uh, I've, I've seen apostrophes in here. Is the T separate from the other stuff, or is that just... I believe, so for the Wade Giles spelling, it is standard to put a apostrophe, apostrophe between the I and the E. Okay, got it. Wow. All right, this is just getting more confusing. Let's move away from this character let's go to his cohort because i think this is going to come back to the uh the pinion spelling uh and i I saw a lot of confusion over this based on we'll acknowledge it the dragon team uh fan subs for dragon ball super they've gone with the modern spelling there we are of course talking about chows yeah so tin han's friend this is actually compared to tin han relatively straightforward it is actually i i mean i i think most of us have had dumplings in our life, I would hope. Yeah. Like, so when I, in my Chinese class, for some reason, we ended up talking about uh, jiaozi dumplings an awful lot of the time. Okay. It was kind of weird. Well, there, you've just said it. Jiaozi. Yeah, well, jiaozi. Again, pronunciations. Okay, so these are, so the guy, the character is named after these pot sticker dumplings, which in, in Chinese, they're called jiaozi in the pronunciation spelling later, but in Japanese, these are gyoza. And so in both languages, they're written with the same characters, but uh, they just have different readings between the languages. This is a relatively common everyday word. And so with the characters, the Dragon Ball character's name, the Shenlong model again, where they use the uh, hiragana to indicate that it should be pronounced as the Chinese reading for the word rather than the Japanese one. Right. If you go to a Japanese restaurant, you will probably see gyoza written out, G-Y-O-Z-A, referring to dumplings. And so they would, if they saw that word, that is how they would instinctively pronounce it. But you have that furigana indicating, no, please pronounce this as the Chinese. 
Yeah, and there is that joke in the series where the tournament announcer gets right. it wrong the first time around. Right. We I think we did a show about this, about mispronunciations in the show. There was Gyoza, there was Magogo Sora. Is that yeah, it? yeah. Okay, so how do you spell the character's name, Jake? Okay, okay. So the Wade Giles spelling, this the old school spelling, is C-H-I-A-O-T-Z-U. Which is how Funimation adapts the character's name. And then, so essentially, they get it right. It's perfectly the Wade Giles spelling. If, you want, if, you, if you're going for old school Chinese spelling, then there's nothing wrong with this. So yes, the, mod, so the opinion spelling for this word, which, you know, when I was in my uh, Chinese class, you know, this is the spelling we were taught, is J-I-A-O-Z-I. And so, even though it might, like, if you look at these two spellings side by side, just without having say Chinese, you might like you wouldn't think they were they'd be pronounced at all similar. They look right. completely different. Right. I feel the same way about Beijing and Peking. I mean, Peking, uh, I mean, you can hear it. I'm pronouncing them completely different, even though they're exactly the same word. And part of this has to do with just um, the different dialects of Chinese, because some dialects will pronounce it a bit more like Peking mm-hmm. versus and then but this opinion is based more or less on the standardized Beijing pronunciation. Yeah, Chaozu versus the J spelling, I feel like is uh, a little bit easier to comprehend. If you kind of think about the way your mouth kind of like you clench your teeth a little bit to get that ch and that J spelling or sound at the same time, they do kind of slur together a, a bit more. And so I guess the other main thing is that Z, uh, the Z at the end, it's not supposed to be pronounced like Z or anything like mm. that. It's it's basically a silent Z. Uh, the silent I at the end. Got it. So, so Jiaozu rather than Jiaozi or anything like that. Got it. And so then going back to the in Japan using our alphabet spellings, you think that's why they drop the U sometimes? Yeah, well, I mean, that's kind of the same thing with Shenron where I think they're just treating it uh, almost as if it was an English word. Yeah. It's like, it's one of the weirder uh, English alphabet spellings on Japanese merchandise that they have, I think. Yeah, I mean, my favorites are always Ginyu, uh, Chow's, one of my other favorite ones. I think those are two best ones. Goku with a U, uh, with an O. With an O, yeah, I know. Well, and that one's consistent, beginning to end, remains that way. They're nothing if not consistent on that. Right, with that one. All right, those are kind of the biggest ones that I can think of in the series. Um, I do not want to go too terribly long here with the topic, but is there anything else you want to dip your toes in with Chinese and Dragon Ball? Well... I guess the other obvious joke is uh, the character Shun at the 23rd tournament, Mm -hmm. where the whole whole joke is that because, so it's God Kami, and he's going undercover, so he uses the Chinese reading of his name, which ties into Shenlong, Mm -hmm. which in the dub gets really, really strangely uh, messed around with, because for the Crane Hermit in the dub, they call him Master Shen. And then because they did that, for whatever reason, the actual character Shun, they called Hero. And so, like, I, during the... I actually had watched the episode dubbed where uh, Goku realizes Shun's true like, true identity. But I can't remember how they adapted that for the dub. Because they they had to write around the whole thing entirely. Yeah, they would have to, yeah. But, so that's a, the other prominent... Another prominent use of Chinese that kind of gets glossed over for the Funimation dub. And... Oh, well, I guess the other thing with Tenshinhan, his uh, Kikoho attack. Oh, right. There's different spellings in the the manga for that, too, right? Yeah, so in Japanese, this is always treated just as a Japanese word. It's 
It's written in kanji with the Japanese readings for the characters, and nothing to indicate that it should be the Chinese reading, but for whatever reason, in Viz, they've always kind of toyed around with giving it the Chinese reading. Yeah, the Qi Zhong Ball or something? So, uh, Qi Gong Ho. Oh, sorry, Qi Gong Bao. Got it, got it. And so, I think maybe because, um, well, it's the signature attack of a character with a quasi-Chinese name. Maybe they thought his attack name should be in Chinese as well. But the other thing is that uh, Qigong is this kind of well-known, it's the art of key control mm-hmm. throughout chi- throughout Asian general. And like in practical, this is a real thing you can do. And in practical terms, it's just breathing exercises and kind of yoga and down-to-earth stuff like that. Sure. But the, the underlying theory behind it is that it's to control and harness your key. And so in martial arts films... And Dragon Ball, which takes a hint from that, it gets used to, essentially, it's used to, that's how they use key attacks. And so, like, for instance, the in, Jap- in Japanese, the standard phrase for just a run-of-the-mill key blast is a kikoha. Mm. You could translate it as, like, a key control wave. And then for Han's attack, they replace ha with ho for cannon. Got and it. so I, I think maybe Viz, because Qigong is slightly known in the U.S. under its Chinese name, they might have thought, well, we're just, you know, call it that. Because that's also what they do with, well, Qi itself. In Viz, they go with uh, Qi, which is the Chinese reading. And so this gets back into Wade Giles versus Pinion. I was going to say, yeah, it's Q-I now, isn't it? Yeah, so the old spelling, C-H-I, and then the new spelling is Q-I. Both of these are supposed to be pronounced the same. Even though the spellings look really different in English, it's just Qi. And that's why in Viz, there's a joke they adapt at one point um, where, I think in Japanese, Dende says like, oh, can't you, look, it's Majin Buu's Ki, and Satan's like, oh, his tree, because Ki in Japanese is, can also mean tree. And mm. then in Viz, they adapt it, so it's like, oh, it's his Chi. What, Majin Buu's cheese? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, it's, so they they do make a joke that's based on the correct the correct pronunciation of the word, which I give them props for. Right, that, that's one of those examples of adapting the the spirit of the joke rather than the the literal meaning behind it, I guess. And the 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 odd thing, but is that so in modern in the pinyin spelling, chi is now ci, but the word for eat is spelled chi, but it's also for no re- for complicated reason in Beijing dialect is pronounced chur for eat. And so when I was doing this uh, Chinese class, there's this guy who we had these cl- this class projects that we presented on and this guy did martial arts and qi qigong and all that stuff. And so he had this big slide which had a chi written in the background at one point. And so everyone in class like as one, they just read it as chur and they're like what you know, why is the word for eat on the back of this slide? Yeah. And so he had like they had to have this whole conversation about the you know, weight guiles versus pinion. So this stuff does have uh, real world applications or at least classroom applications. <laughs> I was going to say, you can go to a Chinese restaurant or Asian fusion restaurant and pretty much order uh, a Dragon Ball party's worth of food. Yeah. All right. I say we bring this to a close with the knowledge that there will be a formal guide released, let's say, sometime within the next four years. Yeah, four, maybe five years. Uh, five at the max. I'm OK with that. I need to make an entire guide just to correct all the, the things I 
messed up just speaking relatively off the cuff here. Well, again, that's how we do is we use the podcast episodes as a basis for developing future guides. This is our test ground. Um, I'm very curious to hear if there's anyone else out there with uh, dual Chinese Japanese experience. Uh, kind of get some input there as well. Well, it... If they are, they've probably stopped listening by now. Yeah, at this point, it's the kind of thing where I have a real hard time listening to other people talk about Dragon Ball. I'm sure uh, anyone who has the language familiarity will do the exact same thing uh, with us here. And we apologize in advance and in retroactively here as well. Let's bring it to a close with the knowledge that we should probably be talking about Dragon Ball Super instead. And we'll turn our attention to that uh, in the near future. Maybe we'll just do a catch up on the Battle of Gods retelling arc with as many of the Konzenshu staff as we can. Jake, thank you for joining us, sir. What do you got going on with the site? Uh, other, I, it's Dragon Ball Super. I know it is. Yeah, it's uh, still just plugging away at the fact checker forum thread. Yeah, well, I guess you can say that you're responsible for the summaries, but this fact checker thing that um, I've made a plan at some point, we will incorporate that to the uh, individual episode pages so it's all you know nicely proofread and archived. But what are you doing with checking facts per episode here? So with Dragon Ball Super, we've kind of gotten back into the 90s era of fan subs, more or less. With these speeds, these speed subs come out uh, fairly quickly after the episode airs. And oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes there have various really bizarre errors. And so just to try and stem the tide of misinformation, I'm just setting up this fact checker. It's uh, centered around, uh, in each episode, important bits of exposition or just things that are like puns or also just things that lines that aren't necessarily important, but that I, I know have been like crazy mistranslated just to explain what they really say. And you're at this point, you're pretty good at calling it ahead of time. Like, I'm pretty sure this one's going to be terribly mistranslated. So I'll just know to hear. Yeah. And I'm doing this off of someone. There's a site where you can go to where shortly after the episode airs, they put off, they put up the Japanese closed captioning for the episode, which is just very useful for a project like this. You know, no guesswork about what was or wasn't said. And has the closed captioning been pretty accurate to what's actually read aloud? Yeah, I mean, near as I can tell. All right, that's good. Um, so that's just a forum thread on the, the website right now. But uh, again, we will kind of incorporate that back into the individual episode pages at some point in the future. That is another project for one of us, probably me and or Heath at some point. Uh, and I'm trying to plug away as much stuff as I can. Thankfully, the news has been other than Dragon Ball Heroes, which I admit I need to catch up on. The news has been pretty light. The... Uh, the content of Dragon Ball Super has been the, the big thing going on. Although we do have a V-Jump issue that uh, literally just came out in Japan, which I forgot to order because I'm an idiot. And hopefully I can rectify that. And maybe hopefully someone else on the site ordered the issue or can go pick it up. We will work on that. That'll be coming your way this week. So let's bring it to a close. That's been Jake. My name is Mike. You can catch us www.kanzenshuu.com. This has been episode 388 of our podcast. We are two months away from our 10 year anniversary of the podcast, which is horribly frightening to me that this has been going on. Just this tiny portion, which still feels like a new part of the website, is 10 years old now. That's scary. It's like 100 years old in podcast terms. It is, exactly. I mean, how many podcasts from 10 years ago are still around? I guess all the actual big anime podcasts started 10 years ago. They're still around. Uh, 
So that's good to see. We're done. You can catch us at the website. This is the podcast. There is the forum. There's all the social media stuff. Uh, we'll see you next time. Jake, wrap it up. Yeah, this has been Konzenshu, the podcast. Tune in next time for a retelling of previous podcasts that came out not that long ago. Now, can you say that in Chinese? No. All right. At least I tried. <laughs>